Welcome back to the latest episode of the Dope Black Woman podcast. My name is Bashan and I'm one of the co-founders of Dope Black Woman. Now, if you're familiar with this podcast, then you might remember that earlier this year, I did an episode with Nina from Dope Black Mums about some of my own fears of becoming a mum. Since that conversation, I generally feel a lot better about the idea. So now I want to move the conversation on and have a conversation about what it's like being a first-time mum, the early stages of pregnancy, but also how you balance out self-care as well, because I see so much stuff online about trying to get that balance right, and it just seems impossible. So with all that said, I'm now joined by Chloe Pierre, the founder of Thyself, which is an online wellness platform. Hey, Chloe. Hey, love. How are you? I'm good. A bit tired. Um, <laughs> it's been a, it's, it's been a very long week for me. A bit tired, but I am very much looking to forward to this conversation. How have you been? Um, I'm good. Uh, constantly tired. Um, just a disclaimer. That's basically what motherhood is like. If anyone wants to contest it, I need to see receipts. I need to see everything <laughs> to prove that like you're doing the slog, which means you're doing it not necessarily by yourself, but you don't have lots of support because it's tiring. Mm-hmm. It's tiring. Even when you've got a great baby, yeah, you know, everything seems to be good. It's tiring. You know, we're managing so many different parts of life now. It's not just you. So yeah, I'm tired, but I'm happy. And I'm very grateful for where I am right now. And something we always ask everyone that joins this podcast is what makes you a dope black woman? I just am. <laughs> I, am I just, I think because I'm existing, to be honest, and I'm not just existing in that sense. I exist and I'm doing a really good job with just life in general. And a lot of my work is about giving. A lot of my life is about giving. So... I think the fact that I managed to keep all of that together and still, you know, keep myself together to some degree proves that I'm dope. And before becoming pregnant, was there anything that you were scared about or apprehensive about? Oh, everything. I think I'm so used to being around children. So I kind of knew that I wanted to have children. It was always something that I thought would happen. I just didn't know when. I wasn't planning on having a baby when I did. It Nothing really was planned, but neither was the pandemic. And that kind of hit me by surprise. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, rolled with it. Um, it's such a beautiful blessing. And, you know, there's some people that have the privilege of planning, some people that try and plan, and then it can sometimes uh, take a little bit longer So I'm really grateful for my situation. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I just, I knew that I was going to have children. I just didn't realise it was going to happen now. Um, And I say that now being 35 as of like three days ago. So I had my son when I was 34. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know when it was going to come. And I thought I was a little bit worried about, would it be painful and then once I become became pregnant, so I think for my whole life, I was just thinking, oh, it might be painful. I'm a little bit scared. As in like actually giving birth. Yeah, exactly. Like giving yeah. birth, is it going to be painful? Um, you know, will I be able to cope? All of those kind of things. And then once I became pregnant, it, those kind of things went out the window. I'm very, I know myself quite well. And I also started to be more concerned about identity 
and how I'd manage everything. So my whole lifestyle. And then on top of that, how I'd manage being a mum and having a business and, you know, where I'd sit within that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I'd lose any part of myself. Now I understand it's not so much losing. I think it's the end of a chapter Mm -hmm. and you can gain from it. I think it's just, it's your mindset and how you think about things. Yeah. And so reflecting now, now that you are a mum, what do you think then about your journey of your identity? Because I quite like the analogy you gave about not losing who you are, but the the chapter closing. So how do you describe this new chapter then? Um, This new chapter... Um, (laughs) all I can say is it is tiring, but, um, when I think about identity, it's a journey. I don't think I have it all sorted and I don't have myself fully together, but I'm in a much better place than I was when I was, uh, pre-labor and post like first few weeks, months postpartum. I'm now 10 and a half months postpartum. But I would say the first, I'd say up until five months, it was really difficult. You're navigating like a new life. Mm-hmm. You know, the world, as they say it, you know, when something traumatic happens, because birth is traumatic, um, whichever way you want to see it on the body is definitely traumatic. Mm-hmm. I wondered like how I'd recover. Um, I just I had so many questions and Although there's so many people that have done it before me, it's, I swear it's science, like you just kind of forget. So what did support look like, look like for you then during that time? Oh, so I had like the Positive Birthing Company were amazing. I followed loads of birthing accounts and they were one of the best. There was also um, someone that I came across through thyself to do an interview with them um, and a few brands called Lanolin. Um, they do a lot with like pregnancy and pregnant women and pregnant people. Um, and I was introduced from through them to midwife Marley and she's on Instagram as midwife Marley. She um, gave me a lot of advice and she kind of um, put me at ease ahead of my pregnancy, which was really nice. All of the questions that I had, she answered. So did the positive birthing company five times more. Um, I was able to do the positive birthing course, which I'm not sure how much it is usually, but because of the rates of, um, black women dying and having serious complications within childbirth, um, they got a few black women onto the course for free and that was really helpful. So a lot of things kind of opened up. It was really great timing in terms of me having a baby, in terms of the options that were available to me. And what was your pregnancy like? So where do I go with this? So my pregnancy in terms of the physicality of it was fine. I didn't announce it for a while and no one could really see that I was pregnant. Mm Mm-hmm. I wasn't showing um, so much, so I could get on with life. Um, I exercised a lot until I was like eight months. Um, Even on the day that, the day before he came, I was like having meetings. I went for a walk, had a meeting with a team, um, not a team member, but a brand. 
And what would have been a 20 minute walk turned into 40 minutes both ways. And that I think helped progress me to, you know, yeah, labor basically. So I didn't have a bad pregnancy in terms of physicality. Obviously, I, I don't really know how far to take this, but um, I was in an abusive relationship. Um, so that to me was the hardest part and getting my head around that was probably the most difficult. And it's definitely traumatic because when people now ask me, do I think I will have more children? Without thinking about that situation, it's definitely played a part in me saying, I don't think so. Um, I'm now obviously single and raising my son, but I don't see myself having a relationship for a while because I'm still navigating that. I'm still navigating the aspects of trauma around that. So I would say that was the biggest part for me. Um, my labour was about 10 hours. Is that um, normal? Because I don't know. Because for me, if you say 10 hours, that sounds like that's longer than a work day. <laughs> <laughs> but I, and I saw someone today tweet that like their labour was 25 hours. So I don't know if oh, 10 hours Lord. is normal or if 10 hours is considered short. I don't See, my problem with this whole maternity thing is that I don't think there is any such thing as normal. and when I gave birth to my son, they were obviously doing their job and, you know, lovely people, but they were like, they didn't know he was coming, even though I told them that he was, li he, I'm literally, he's about to come out. And they were like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. So they just played it down. I ended up catching my son. Are you joking? With my own hands. No, I'm not joking. Because everyone in that room said, no, it's fine, you know, because they're going by the book of what they've learned. And from what I understand, no one pregnancy or no two pregnancies are the same. So if a pregnant woman says it's coming, you know, the likelihood is that it's coming or at least check it. But there was none of that. That was my next question. I was going to say to you, did they not at least check at the time? They did. So they checked me twice. I don't know why, because uh, all the things that I learned about it are now out the window because I'm like, it's useless information for me right now. Um, I've already been there and done that but I don't think they checked me twice and I did ask them to check me quite regularly I just felt like they were so lax they were so no it's fine um when I was uh, taken into the room they were like oh you know yeah you're dilated you're six centimeters dilated but you need to be to you need to get to 10 centimeters but I'm very sure I've heard of people having children before they hit 10 centimeters dilated so to just have that, it's great to have that as a benchmark. But if someone says that they think the child is coming, like, get ready, you know, rather than just be so lax about it. And they were, you know, held me up as being like one of the best pregnancies they had in a while. And But to me, that could have been traumatic. Like, I caught him out of necessity. Like, and that's a lot of pressure for one person, especially like, I haven't done it before. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, I just went with the flow and I guess it's a testament to me. That's probably another reason why I'm a dope black woman because I know my body, despite all the stuff that I had to go through during my pregnancy, that's the one thing that's, you know, stuck around that I nurtured is that I know what I'm doing and I know that I'm doing the right thing. And it's that what got me out of that awful situation. And it's that what got my son here healthy. You know, there was no complications I literally pushed him out, um, although I don't even know if I did push him out. It just kind of happened. 
Um, I breathed my way through it. I didn't do, I did positive birthing course and they speak a lot about breathing, but you know, there was no Lamar's or no special techniques apart from the fact that I practice breath work anyway yeah. for work purposes and personal purpose, uh, purposes. So yeah, I don't know if there's any secret method to, method to this, but that's how mine went. Well, I feel like the secret method is just trust your intuition really. Yeah. And know your body. But I think that happened, that should be happening way before you get pregnant. And that's something that I would advise everyone listening is that you do that way before you become pregnant is that you go on a self journey, you know, focusing on yourself, getting to know your body, getting to know what kind of things work, what don't work for it, you know, even down to food. That's something that I take really seriously as well. You know, when I was pregnant, I didn't eat certain things, not because it they said I couldn't because it just didn't work for me. Yeah. But also I imagine, yeah, because when I think of if I was to be pregnant and even just my life in general, when I've made like big decisions or I've had big like life changes, I always have like my aunties, my nan, my mom telling me, oh, it's going to be like this or it's going to be like that. And I feel like when you're pregnant, you've probably got the layer of your friends as well and strangers even, like people that you're working with kind of telling you about what they expect pregnancy to be like. So how did your experience differ to what you kept being told? When other people would give me their feedback, I'd listen. I'd be like, okay, interesting. I didn't take that on board that that's going to happen to me. Um, And I kept a very kind of fine boundary with that because you could get so wrapped up in what other people say. Like, even just with my family in general, they're very much like, oh, this was me, this was me. But I don't really have the same experiences with them you know, my body's not, it's not like theirs. Do you, do you know what I mean? So I've always felt as if, yes, I can take what they're saying. I could understand it. I can try and be uh, cautious of the things that they're saying. But essentially, this is going to be my experience. Um, You know, also why, you know, not in a rude way, but me listening to someone that's had children 35, 60 years ago, the experience is going to be different. You know, my grandmother, I say 60, yeah, 60. Yeah, 60. My grandmother had my mum 60 years ago. That was a completely different place. In time, my cousin had my my cousin, my niece, at 30, uh, 13 years ago. That was different, you know. Um, and my gran couldn't get her head around the fact that you don't call the ambulance to pick you up. She was like, then what am I paying my taxes for? And I'm like, everything. You can't else. call the ambulance to pick you up? No. You have to know, you have to make your way. Really? Yeah, unless it's an emergency. The ambulance service is privately run, right? Um, so it's it's not deemed as an emergency. Something has to go wrong for that to happen. Was your self-image impacted at all? Yeah, of course. Um, I, again, I link that a little bit to the trauma that I experienced. Um, yeah. Because whilst my body was growing and you know, my baby was forming and growing inside, I was having issues with his dad. And, um, you know, that impacted not only how I felt, but I think it impacted how I looked in a certain way. Um, You know, I didn't necessarily take care of myself whilst all of that was happening for obvious reasons. I didn't let myself go or anything, but, you know, my my outfits would change like my mood would change so my outfits would change um you know I was essentially living out of a bag for a while so that obviously affected my identity um as well 
so crazy but I think it just does and it's natural and it, it's probably meant to you, you it'd be really hard to still be the same person he was before mm-hmm. and I you know I expect change I kind of welcome change especially if it's positive and it's generally going to be positive if that's the way you say it's going to be mm-hmm. um so yeah I think you know I'm still figuring out my style as of this birthday three days ago I'm I'm just like, get rid of so much stuff. There's things that I've been hoarding. Plus, I moved during my pregnancy. So a month before my baby arrived, I moved home. Um, So I had to, like, literally do up a whole new home, a bigger home. I had to do it up from scratch. I had to do it by myself. I had to fund all of it, and it's not cheap. Um, So... In the midst of that, I just brought everything from my last place over. Um, so now I'm going through it and I'm like, okay, that's not me. I, I'm not too sure where I am right now, but I know that's not me. So I'm in that process right now. So I focus it on my clothes. But I guess with my identity, I'm learning, you know, different things about my skin. My skin changes. My God, have you heard that you're like, your feet can grow? Yeah. <laughs> yeah your feet can grow and for some people their hair either grows a lot or like cuts out yeah so mine actually has started shedding but it's um it's still quite healthy thick um and that was quite surprising and there was so much focus on that there was a lot of people that oh my god your hair uh and not that I hadn't had that focus before but it was a little bit like okay but my, I'm not my hair, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. My hair is my biggest part of my identity for me. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm still nav- navigating, basically. And I did, this question I'm going to ask now might be a bit personal. Go ahead. Um, but I wanted to ask you, do you feel like you've had time to process the trauma? I think I have. I guess my situation, which we've spoken about before, but my situation runs a little bit deeper Yeah. in terms of... Maybe I should have seen a lot of red flags before because I had been seeing him since I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of breakups in between. Um, and yeah, so I think that has helped me because I go back to all of the things that I remember, things that I should have seen as red flags, um, for, but for whatever reason, I didn't. Um, I also looked at other things that would have um, been a factor in that in terms of the way that my family dynamic works, the way in which my mum has treated me in the past, um, which has made for something like this or the way that he treated me to feel quite normal Mm. and for me to accept it. However, something changed at that moment and I think it has a lot to do with me being pregnant and me realizing that this is not okay and this is not something that I can bring a child into Mm. um so yeah so I think I do I I mean I think about it pretty much every other day I wouldn't say every day because sometimes it's just too busy (laughs) but um and I do see it as a distraction because sometimes I think how can I be so busy and I'll think about this this is shit. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just a distraction, you know, that's just how 
the mind can work at times um, yeah and definitely definitely how trauma works I literally just finished therapy and it was something that happened when I was really young when I was like eight or nine but it impacted me a lot and contributed towards me having anxiety and complex PTSD and going through that process helped me to kind of normalize all the flashbacks and all the thoughts that I kept getting because I, I used to almost get angry at myself for thinking about it do you get what I mean yeah. or, for let it, or for allowing myself to feel like it was controlling me because it was on my mind often um but yeah I, I say that to say that I hope you don't feel like that and that it's, it's just part of the process and one day it won't feel as be as often yeah I do think it's just a part of the process um and I, I hope it will get better and easier and you know what this all happened February last year mm-hmm and I was four months pregnant, I've come a long way. I can have this conversation and I don't feel like a frog in my throat or a lump in my throat. I don't feel like, you know, I don't feel emotional like I want to cry. It's still, you know, the after effects are still here, but it just doesn't have that hold hold on me anymore. Mm -hmm. And another thing that I think, not just black women, but women and also just people in general can do is they can always hope for better or you know we don't actually accept people for who they are we you know we expect them to change but that's not very fair and that's not what they're showing us if someone wants to change they're going to do it on their own back they don't need you to tell them Mm -hmm. yeah the trauma aspect it's yes of course it's it's still there but I do have like tools that I can use you know I, I have to snap out of certain things because of my son I don't even want to be like distant with him because of all of that if that makes sense I don't want to be I want to be present and I'm not allowing for anyone to take that and was there any point in your pregnancy where you felt pressured like it might be pressure to show up in a certain way pressure to do certain things oh my god yeah pressure to still work not because I didn't want to work but because I was almost scared of losing things and I think that's a massive part of my identity is that I was a little bit scared of losing everything that I've built I mean I still get scared you know one because I've got now got a dependent two because I've worked really hard to get where I am and because of discrimination which is normalized in this country um specifically you know I'm scared that I might lose things you know Mm -hmm. and it shouldn't be that way men don't have that issue and it's almost as if you're being punished at times. Um, and the problem doesn't just sit with men. A lot of the bias does come from other women. And I've seen that through my work. I don't get the same amount of work that I used to get. Yeah. The type of um, clients and partnership partners that I used to have, they've kind of just fallen off. It can be presented as if, oh, we didn't want to bother you because, like, you know, you've got a lot on your plate. Like, how do you, you don't have a clue what I've got on a plate, on my plate. You know, if someone was to say that, like, you don't know what I've been through, but I'm still here and I'm still showing up and I'm still working with other people and I'm still showing up. I think the problem is, is that once you have a baby to some people, you don't seem aspirational unless, unless you are a Kardashian or some sort of celebrity. And I remember you asking in the Dope Black Woman group chat, round about the time, I don't know your exact where exactly you were in your pregnancy, but I remember you asking about what are some of the essential things that people should bring, or that you should bring rather, to your labour. 
And I wanted to ask you, with, with that said, what two things did you find the most useful? Oh, okay. So I brought a suitcase for one. Ah, did you think you was moving in? Well, you just <laughs> never know. Anything can change at any moment. So I was like, I'm just going to be prepared. I didn't know whether I'd stay a couple nights. So I bought enough like nighties. I bought underwear because obviously you bleed. Um, after, well, it's not obviously, but you do bleed. Um, if anyone doesn't know, they do say you can bleed up until uh, up to six weeks after. Mm-hmm. I also brought... Um, like cold, cold sanitary packs. How do you call them? So basically, if you bend them, they become like quite cold. Oh, wow. I've never heard of that before. Because like you're so like you're sore down there, right? And you're healing and it could be bloody and all of these things. So there's these pads that, yeah, if you bend, they turn into like cold, cold packs. Um, oh, my God. They don't tell you. Okay. So pack chewing gum and pack snacks. Or get someone to run to the shop both both before and after, depending on time. Or make sure you get a delivery because um, you're hungry. You can be hungry afterwards because you so much energy is gone. And lip balm, Lord of mercy, lip balm. Your lips got really dry. Dry. Oh my god. <laughs> and water. Do you know what I felt as if? You know the thing is as well when your yeah. lips are dry. Yeah, you, it just ruins. I don't know if you're like me, and this is no exaggeration. This is no exaggeration, but if my lips are dry, I just feel so, my mood stinks. Yeah. And also, just as a black woman, like, we know, like, we don't like dry skin, right? Absolutely not. Lip balm is key. Hair bands. Um, anything that will make you feel comfy. You have to prepare them for the worst. So have a few things. And can you walk me through your first week of being a new mum? What was that like? God, I don't remember. <laughs> is it gone? I honestly, I'm not, I feel like, I feel like your mind blocks it all out really i wish i had a diary yeah i remember being tired a little bit irritable um you know and especially like just having this wonderful little person Mm. and knowing that as much as i could share it with my friends and family i'm not sharing it with the person that i made him with yeah and that was quite hard and knowing that i couldn't even if I wanted to because of the situation. It was just really hard. So I think the first few weeks were, like, me getting my head around that was quite difficult, mm-hmm. um, you know. And there is this suggestion that, you know, once you have a kid, you just know what to do. And I don't think you do. You can have as much support around you as possible, but you're still the one that has to do it. It still falls on you. Yeah. Regardless of if you have like a great relationship, your partner, they're doing the most. They can't feed your baby the same way unless, you know, <clears throat> they're on formula. And to be honest, your baby's so new, they know you. They've been in you. What's gonna comfort them is you generally. So yeah, like even now he's he's always on me, you know? Um I do feel like I've got, like, my best friend now. Um, and that says a lot because he's still a baby. But, you know, it's just really nice having him around. And, yeah, although there's a lot of pressure and it's self-imposed, I do, I'm just very grateful for him. And to see him grow and to see life through his eyes, you know, to see this boy walk across the room was just wild. Yeah. Like, and, you know, I... Although I'm doing it by myself and although I don't get to share this with someone, if I flip that on the head, like this 
he's great because of me. Like, I don't go anywhere without someone being like, he's gorgeous. He's so well behaved. I just took him to Dubai. Like, compliments left, right and centre. Like, he's a he's honestly a pleasure to be around. He's got a, such a good, like, vibe. And I, after everything that I've been through, I've put that down to, you know, me curating a really nice home and a really safe space at home um, and everywhere that he goes. I'm really cautious about the kind of people that I'm around and therefore do I want them in my life going forward? And what's it been like for you then in- incorporating self-care into your routine? Because obviously, as I mentioned at the start, you're the founder of Thyself, which is a brand that's about wellness, but also I'll say heavily about self-care as well. But like, how did you manage combining what you already knew with being becoming a mother I think self-care looks very different to me now yeah I need time to myself which is obviously really hard to have um especially so early on um you also there's a trust factor of like giving him to people I really don't trust him with that many people um and that could be my trauma but that could just be because you know I'm a new mum um but I think time So having time, carving out time for myself, whether it's like every day, sometimes it means I have to wake up earlier or I have to go to bed later, but still that's my time, you know, Um, being able to go on walks with him as well only strengthens our relationship and it does give me some me time, you know. Um, I think that's what my self-care looks like. Travelling, now that the world has opened up again um, and once I've taken that big leap by going all the way to Dubai... I feel like I've got it. Um, And yeah, and I'm going to teach him self-care by living that and showing him firsthand. So yeah, so I think self-care shows itself in like time, space and just surroundings. Like just being in nature is really, really important. For him, he loves to be out and it encourages me to get out and like be present. And for any mums who may be listening who are a new mum, or maybe they can come back to this at a later date, who are struggling with incorporating self-care in their routine and trying to get a balance of it, what advice would you have for them? Take your time. Take your time. Like, you know, what is the saying? Rome wasn't built in a day. Um, Really look at the pressure. Is it someone else putting it on you? Is it you? Is it society? Figure out what it is, you know, and then seek to address it. Because really, you're not in any competition with anyone else. And I really hope that no other mums feel like that, that they they have to do something or they have to recover to appease someone else. Like, do it when you can. Um, that goes to, like, your healing journey. That goes to going back to work. Like, just take it in your time. Like, take it in your stride, you know. Don't let anyone, you know, pressurise you to do anything, really. Um, and also, you know, everything that I'm saying, take it with a pinch of salt. You have to carve, like, there's no blueprint. Yeah. You have to do it for yourself. So listen to yourself. Try and get to know yourself as much as possible in this time. And really appreciate it because, you know, also one thing that I remember is that I'm never going to really have this again. And yes, I might have more children. Yes, I might be with someone else one day. Yes, all these things could happen and more. I'm never going to have this again. So I need to be really like present and I need to appreciate what is. Um, And yeah, that's, I think, 
my best advice really and lastly you've got a book coming out next year which I just want to personally congratulate you for thank you um is it called take care the black woman's guide to wellness that is yes so just talk to us a bit about that because I know it's next year but um people can pre-order people can follow you and get to know about it yeah so just tell us a bit about what we can expect yeah so please pre-order it's really helpful for not just writers in general but especially black women and black titles or titles for black people um this is there are wellness guides for women but I don't think there's many that are written from the UK standing point but also addressing people from across the diaspora so that's exactly what it is we're looking at where we've come from and essentially we're looking at where we are now and where we can go and the possibility possibilities of our wellness journey um and it's really a guide to help you discover that we're not necessarily telling you when I say we like being the publisher we're not telling you where like where to go we're just guiding you on that process maybe addressing things that you might know already but you might need validation for and also giving you my own experiences and anecdotes for how I've got through different parts of life. So like we said, again, pregnancy, but also career is a massive one. Um, you know, navigating community is really important, especially as a black woman and especially where we're going, because this is uncharted territory. We've never really been in this position before. Mm-hmm. So it's really easy to put our wellness um, and that side and our well-being to the side because you know, we're doing something that are our ancestors' biggest dreams, you know, or yeah. they could never have even dreamt of that. But, you know, we have to take care of ourselves in the process. Otherwise, we won't go past this point. We won't go past it as individuals and won't go past it, it as, a, um, as a group, as a community. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe.